As Pastor Jim said, my name is Jen Swindell and I've been here for one month serving as the pastor for discipleship and community engagement. And being asked to preach, we follow something that's called the lectionary, which is a three-year rotation of different scriptures. And nothing says first sermon like a brood of vipers scripture to get started on, right? So we are going to spend a little bit of time unpacking this Advent message and to be able to take a look at it because it's actually pretty unique. Um, it occurs about 30 years after the nativity that we're talking about coming. See, John the Baptist was about six months older than Jesus. We hear about him in those stories where Mary goes to Elizabeth, her cousin, when they're both expecting. And so even long after the arrival of baby Jesus, we hear a story where those folks still don't quite know what's happening. We are still most of humankind was unaware of what was about to happen with Jesus's ministry. Isaiah foretold that one would come before Jesus to prepare the way. And John the Baptist isn't exactly a picture-perfect person one would expect to usher in a Messiah. In fact, he was a pretty weird guy. Our scripture talks about how he was dressed in camel's hair and that his main source of food was locusts and honey. But then again, we probably wouldn't have picked a baby born in a manger and to choose to die on the cross to be our savior either. John was different than what those leaders, religious leaders he was talking to had seen before. He baptized for cleaning and repentance. Jewish folks were used to some cleansing rituals, but not quite like the ones he was doing, and they wouldn't have drawn the crowds that he did. So these Pharisees and Sadducees that came in, they were religious leaders. They were men of the temple coming, trying to figure out if this really was the prophecy that had come, if things were being fulfilled the way they would. But John wasn't like what the priests expected, and that was because God was doing a new thing. Through Jesus and through John the Baptist, God continues to do new things. Through us, each of us in the story of God still speaking today, God is ready to do a new thing. And so, in our scripture, besides some axes and things, what's the heart of what John and those leaders are talking about. And it's bearing fruit. John warns them that God is looking for those who bear fruit worthy of repentance. And his warning is a little scary, that an ax is waiting at the bottom of the tree for those trees that are simply looking good or just existing, to cut those down in favor of those who bear fruit. Like I said, it's not exactly a warm, fuzzy Christmas Hallmark movie kind of scripture, but it's important. Just like we had two scripture readings for our Advent wreath this morning, it is always interesting to use various translations of scripture. So our Advent reading had our usual translation of scripture, but also the message, and I wanted to bring forth some of this scripture from the message because when things get harder to understand, the message was created in the early 2000s to help be a modern day interpretation of scripture. So let's look at how 
we reframe the question of the acts. What John says in the message is, remember, what counts is your life. Is it green and flourishing? Now, as we look around a beautiful sanctuary adorned with greenery, many of our homes by this time are adorned in greenery. This time of year, even though it might be a bleak winter, we long for greenery. Here in a couple of months, we'll be longing for the greenery that comes with spring, with flourishing and things to share, the flowers, the new life that comes with flourishing. And it's our job to give that gift to others as well. The message translation continues when John says, I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a new kingdom life. The real action comes next. Jesus, the main focus. Compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand. He will ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you that will change you from the inside out. Today, many years later, we're blessed because we've already received the gift of the Holy Spirit. When John was speaking, the Holy Spirit had not yet come down. We hadn't had Pentecost yet. And so we get to celebrate that we already have that within us. And it's our job to take this Advent season and to kindle some of that fire within us and to share that light of Christ in all we do. So that's a lot of background coming in to our Advent with the promise of looking at this as more than just a countdown. So if we've got our Advent wreath, if we've got our Advent wreath or at home, maybe we have a daily calendar, we know what we're counting down to. And that's the birth of Jesus, Christmas. The season of Advent brings a lot of ways for us to mark time. We light our candles each week, Maybe at home, we open up a door each day for a piece of chocolate, or at my house, it's a Lego man that comes out of our Advent calendar. We have our daily devotionals that might be special for the season, or our own traditions, our lists to check and to look forward to as we host and greet and gift and feast together. And this waiting in Christmas is fun, mostly because we know what we're waiting for, and we know the wait is going to end. Most of the time when we're waiting, we don't have a countdown. We don't know when the waiting is going to end. Much of what occupies us with waiting isn't always the light and joyous waiting of an advent calendar. Maybe we wait for love or marriage without knowing when that person might come. We wait for children without knowing when we might conceive or be approved for adoption. We wait in loneliness for a call from someone to reach out, or we wait for a diagnosis or a solution to our health concerns. Maybe we wait for justice or mercy and compassion while feeling a little helpless in being able to work for that ourselves. In this season, we celebrate waiting for hope, love, joy, and peace. The hardest part is not knowing when that wait is gonna end and not knowing if the wait will ever end. Waiting brings more questions than answers. We might start to second guess ourselves. Should we continue waiting for this thing? What if our plans aren't coming the way we had hoped? Should we hold out for that heart's desire? Maybe we question if our heart's desire is God's heart's desire 
and if we should regroup. Or maybe we just ask the question, like the Psalms, how long, O Lord? So, as we wait, sometimes we don't wait as wholly as we might want to. And a good, beloved example of not waiting as we should comes from one of my favorite books, Are You My Mother? by Dr. Seuss. And so this, if you haven't read it, is about this little bird who runs away from the nest and goes everywhere looking for his mom who had just stepped away to get him something to eat. He goes to the dog saying, are you my mother? He goes to a cow. He goes to construction vehicles asking, are you my mother? All because waiting is hard. And so sometimes we can be like the little bird, especially in the Advent season. We get a little bit frantic in the December, hustle and bustle, pulling us in different directions, checking our lists and commitments and calendars, preparing and getting ready, all to be looking for everything in all the wrong places. So there's a lot of ways that we can mess up the waiting. Sometimes it's because we claim that we're bored. I know it is harder to be bored as an adult and I miss being as bored as my seven-year-old can be sometimes, but boredom is something we avoid, right? A lot of times, instead of being bored, we might pick up our devices, and instead of having that bored waiting that doesn't get us anywhere, we have Candy Crush waiting or social media scrolling waiting, which still doesn't get us anywhere, but it avoids the awkwardness of waiting. The next way we mess up waiting might be with nervous waiting. Tapping, fidgeting, clicking your pen, doing something to feel like we're busy but it doesn't get us anywhere any more than rocking in a rocking chair gives us something to do but doesn't move us forward. And then finally, there's the trap of comparison waiting. This can happen a lot in this season, maybe when we're shopping and we picked the wrong line at the grocery store. And we look over and we compare, well, if I would have chosen that line, and we wonder, well, how long does it take to write a check? How many coupons can this person have? And we compare. We do the same thing in traffic, right? We go in traffic, we pick this lane will be better than that lane, and then we're sad and we try to move back over only to be wrong again. And that comparison is frustrating. And while talking about comparison at the grocery store or in the car is funny, the reality is we compare our waiting with others all too much. Again, our timelines for our jobs, our success, we compare our houses or our vacations, and all of that comparison makes us forget that we are exactly where we're meant to be, that we have a mission ourselves, but we don't wanna wait to see what that is. We're human, we don't like to wait. So John the Baptist is an example of moving forward with our waiting. He knew there were big things to come. It might have been more than he could have ever imagined, but he didn't just wait nervous, overwhelmed, bored, or comparing. He went out and searched and did what he could to pave the way. He wasn't desperate because he knew what he was called to do. He knew that God had put him in that place for his calling, nothing more and nothing less. That prepared waiting allows us to be intentional and flexible, moving forward the way God would have us, and more importantly, bringing along crowds just like John the Baptist did. 
So it's our job to find out ways to gather, to cry out in the wilderness to Christ Jesus, to pave the way and to invite folks into relationship with Christ who was and is and is to come. And so that is our second purpose of Advent. It's more than just counting down to Christmas Eve. The second part is waiting for Jesus's return. Like the ancient Israelites before Jesus's birth, we wait for the Messiah to come again, and that's a reality we can only dimly imagine. We talk about it today when we come to table. We say Christ will come in final victory and will feast at his heavenly banquet. And we get just a little bit of a taste of that today at communion. So during Advent, we not only remember that Christ came as a baby, but we remember and prepare ourselves for when Christ comes again. So as we close, when we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're not just remembering what the Israelites said. We are actively praying for Christ's return to come and to make all things right today. When we sing, let every heart prepare him room, we're not just looking back at the innkeepers at Bethlehem, but it's a prayer to remind ourselves to make some room. Make sure that Jesus will find a warm heart to come into that has that light of Christ and that fire of the Holy Spirit to share with others. And the timing of this can be a little strange. In the middle of our hustle and bustle like our bird friend, and in the Christmas season where sometimes when we're supposed to be happy, it can be the hardest time to be happy. Maybe we're struggling with some of those unknown waitings, or maybe we're looking at an empty chair at the table, and it's a lot harder to think through how to be okay. But those are the times that we're called to look for love, hope, joy, and peace, and maybe in places that we don't expect it. We don't want to go around asking anything and anyone, trying to find, hey, can you give me joy? Can you give me peace? Can you give me hope? Can you give me love? We look for it in shopping malls or in our calendars, but even in some of our traditions, that's not where we'll find those things. The source of hope, love, joy, and peace comes from inside of each of us through the light of Christ. And so as we finish up and to answer some of y'all's questions that look at the bulletin, I didn't forget the scripture. I saved the best for last. So our remembrance of what we're called to do comes from our reading from Romans. So let's take a look. For whatever was written in former days was written so for our instruction so that for steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you might, with one voice, glorify God the Father. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given in order that Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again, rejoice with all the people and let the people praise him. Isaiah says, the root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule 
and give them all hope. May the, hope, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So even if this Advent season is heavier than we might want, if we feel like those goals of hope, love, peace, and joy seem a little bit too high, remember that what we're celebrating on earth is only a dim version of what we'll experience in heaven one day. Take heed that even if you have the very best picture-perfect holiday where everyone comes and is on time and is happy and gives more than they receive, that that is just a small version of the great celebration of Christmas we look forward to. So I invite us all to take a pause, to look at this season as more than a countdown, and to seek out those unexpected places that will allow light to shine in the darkness, and to allow ourselves to receive that light from someone else if we need more light, and to hold hands and to wait together for Jesus to come. I'm gonna read that last line of our scripture one more time as we end. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in love by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.